welcome to Ruben Uncut. I'm sitting here with my good friend Gatto, uh, real name withheld. And uh, because actually, you know, it, it, things you wouldn't want necessarily to go super public, <laughs> we might talk about because today's topic is growing up or, well, actually, you know what, just being someone who was late, diagnosed um, as an adult with a uh, neurodiversity. I, um, I am, I'm 38 and I was just diagnosed on the autism spectrum. Gatto, tell us about yourself. Uh, I'm 34 and I have ADHD with a major depressive disorder and general anxiety disorder as comorbidities. And I was diagnosed like, I don't know, two, three years ago. I also have depression and anxiety, which are probably comorbidities. But, uh, and when were you, when were you, I'm sorry, when, when did you say you were diagnosed? Uh, like two or three years ago. Two or three years ago, yeah. yeah. So one of the main things that, I, that this makes me think of is that um, grow, being a child was, 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 was challenging. Would you say that being a child was challenging for you? Because I feel like it was challenging for me at certain points. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. When I, was little, when I was a little kid, especially, I didn't really like find my stride with making friends until I was like 15 or 16. <laughs> I I started my life initially good at making friends and then got terrible at it um, because when I, when I was growing up I I, I lived on a uh, from about the ages of, of like uh, of like three to about nine or so maybe ten I I lived on a, a small uh, hippie commune with my family and another family and a chemistry professor. While I was there, while I was there, I was always surrounded by like hippies, and hippies care for some reason a lot about what children have to say. Uh, so, so the the way I was treated was very different in that environment. And then I went into the real world around and and around puberty, I really noticed the difference. Where I was like, ah. Oh, only hippies treat me that way. Other adults are weird. They don't treat me the same way at all. And they look at me as if I'm misbehaving all the time, even though I think I'm just sitting here. <laughs> because I, 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 some adults did have problems with my behavior that I did not even, like that's when I started, this made me very self-conscious and it totally, totally broke my ability to socialize. <laughs> Because previously I had just been like hyped up by hippies who made talking to people and making friends seem easy. And then, then I met real adults. I was like, oh no, oh no. Adults don't care what children have to say. <laughs> no. I, I was brought up uh, in a military family like out of my my childhood was not normal by any extent but uh, <clears throat> my dad was in the military out in belgium for a while and like my mom like and he worked at like <clears throat> a military base but it's a shared military facility between like a bunch of different countries <laughs> spearheaded by the americans of course 
but like that's how I met my mom is because my mom used to like work at one of the schools on that military base that taught like English speaking uh army children basically. <clears throat> I was gonna say do you need some water? I think yeah. that's your water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but like uh since I definitely had ADHD at the time, like when I got diagnosed, I looked I just started remembering shit and be like, oh, that's why. <laughs> that's why I did that. Yeah, no, a lot of a lot I a lot of um memories that my brain will occasionally flash back to actually make make a lot more sense to me. Cause like some of them I think back and I'm like, what the fuck was wrong with me? <laughs> but now I know. Yeah. But yeah, like uh, my parents, like they weren't, my parents were both born in like the early 50s and, and like they met each other in like their early 30s and like got married pretty fast and just started immediately having children. <laughs> I, I do not, I know that I was, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the correlation of how long I was born after my parents was married was. Um, wow, like, actually, I think it's pretty interesting that we have very contrastically different uh, upbringings. Uh, <laughs> mine's, it's uh, hippie boomers uh, raised me, and then yeah. here. Yeah, my, my dad's European, he was raised by... <laughs> Uh, yeah, just, just grew up like raised by just regular Belgian people for the most part. I mean, I probably had PTSD from the war. <laughs> and, uh, he did. He joined the military just because you they had uh, obligatory service in Belgium at the time, I think, and he just kind of stayed on because he didn't know what else to do, and then he discovered he was real good at doing army stuff not the combat part really i don't think we don't know gato your dad might be like special forces i mean i, mean, I know my grandpa had a had a some uh, had a body count from world war ii from what i've heard but yeah i think i mean he was my dad was an officer type of guy though so like he was near the war zone but he was like safe relatively this explains why he this explains why in some of you some of your stories you've told me about him that uh sometimes he would be deployed to places and it sounded like he would just have a great time yeah yeah he went to uh he got because i mean belgian military so he went to africa like a bunch of times and yeah he'll talk about africa all day if you let him he'll take you to his like his trophy room and show you all the walking sticks and baskets and other shit he picked up over there and tell you some stories that aren't as funny as he thinks they are <laughs> are are they <laughs> feel free to not answer this one but are, are the stories less funny because they are sort of like not that exciting or because they are like kind of dark <laughs> kind of dark but like not in a horrible way really but still not great like the walking sticks that he has he got them because they would like 
be transported to different strongholds in whatever African country they were in to get away from like the various insurgents they were there to observe or encounter or but they were like open air like jeeps and humvees and shit like that and it would just be like a bunch of different people from like different militaries that are working together on something crammed into this thing and if they had to stop or slow down sometimes people would try to jump onto the car like most of the time just to get a ride down the street (laughs) but they couldn't take the risk that it was that they were like insurgents or something so they were told to by any means necessary other than lethal force don't let them onto the fucking jeeps and humvees so they would just get walking sticks and like poke people with them until they stopped trying to get on the on the jeeps and they would have have little contests to see who could poke more people or hit more people see like so like it's interesting how like that almost see like that's just a few steps removed from like gallows humor yeah, I mean military like military people do have a lot of gallows humor for that. Just part of processing all that death, I, I assume. I guess. I mean and my dad said he got shot at one time in Somalia, I think, but that was the only time he was ever in a firefight situation. He said it was all over pretty quickly. <laughs> like he was just like one dude and they got him real fast or something like that, but they just kept going and nothing else happened. <laughs> It, but yeah, like, it, you don't get, he was, what the fuck, he was like a lieutenant colonel or something when he stopped, and he got promoted pretty quick from the sounds of it most of the time. <laughs> so I guess, like, you know, that kind, having that kind of mentality and then getting a kid like how I was, <laughs> you could see how there would be some friction. <laughs> because you're, it, it seems like uh, your father would, probably be very ordered yeah yeah like he wasn't uh like because like that's not like sometimes that's the thing about adhd that i've read is like sometimes like people even though they hate it people benefit from very regimented do this do this do this kind of days and then other ones that's like no (laughs) you can't you can't even try that it will be met with immediate resistance and i was one of the immediate resistance kids so like he wouldn't make me like make my bed every day and like salute and call him sir or anything like that but like it would still be like just ah, random inspection ah your room's dirty clean it right now you have you have 30 minutes <laughs> and no i and they and he would not explain what that meant to me and i was not a very particularly bright kid <laughs> for most of the time uh because i had adhd (laughs) and and my parents didn't understand what that was (laughs) my parents knew something was up with me um i because they they had at some point my mom confessed to me that they had to like get this book called raising a spirited child which like i honestly i've never i'm not even sure what the book says but apparently like it was necessary because of the way I was as a kid. 
Um, I also apparently forgot um, like how many sense, apparently as a child, I had tons of sensory issues um, with like light and sound and touch. Uh, I hated, I hated, I hated my hands feeling sticky or sweaty. The one that really drove me crazy was, um, and it was, it was very tragic for me because I loved, uh, I loved comics. Um, but the way newspaper would make your hands feel afterwards, I couldn't stand. I hated that feeling. Someone wrong. It, it was just some, there was someone wrong about it. So like, I washed my hands like all the time, and not for like, not because I felt it made any type of order, but just because I hated, hated having anything on my hands. That's why I'm also not this is also why i'm vaguely resistant to types of lotions even though i know that as i get older i should really embrace lotions but like i hate the way it feels on my skin uh, i'm trying to remember if i had any sensory overreactions as a kid i mean i feel like, I feel like every kid does at least a little bit uh, i remember when i was a little kid like we were at some store that had like a, i think it was killer instinct there's some fighting game like that i think we were in germany at the time or something and like i and i wanted to play a game so bad because i thought it was like street fighter mm-hmm. and, and apparently i just would not shut the fuck up about it and my mom eventually was like fine drag me out to the drag me out to where the game was threw some coins in there and a killer instinct made a really intense loud noise after you put the coins in and it freaked me out <laughs> Oh no, the horrible irony. Yeah, and, and and I did not want to play the game anymore because it had startled me. And then my mom's like, now you're playing it. So so like my earliest memory of, of a video game is being terrified of it and my mom making me play it because I was being such an annoying little shithead about wanting to play it. <laughs> I my earliest memories of of video games actually were um the uh, when I lived in the commune, the the chemistry professor he had a computer that everyone was allowed to use, and uh, it. I don't think it was actually the first game we played on it, but I remember playing the Lucas Arts adventure game Loom with my mom, like basically sitting in her lap and just like clicking on things and seeing what things do. We apparently didn't know how to save our game. Cause we ha- we started from the beginning every time, so so my first video. Oh wow, that's actually another interesting contrast, in terms of our first our earliest video game. <laughs> Yours is being startled by loud noises and your mom uh, being annoyed with you, and and mine is sitting comfortably on my mom's lap while we click on oysters and feed them to seagulls. Uh, but <laughs> Nice. Okay. Um, I would get into like a lot of obsessions as a kid. Like, um, I, I went through a really long period of just be, being like obsessed with pirates. Um, I used to have like a coloring book that I would like draw different like wild looking pirates in. 
uh, some of them would have like, I don't know, like extra arms or something. I don't know. It's been forever since I even thought about those drawings. But I was into, I was into pirates for a long time. Like, it's funny because my parents were huge hippies. And initially, they really wanted to, like, steer me away from, like, violent, like, toys and stuff. But at a certain point, they realized it just wasn't possible. But as a child, like, you can make anything a weapon. Like, they must, they must have tried so hard to find me a Playmobil pirate set with no weapons on it. What's the first thing I do? I take the diving knife away from my my sea diving Playmobil character and give it to the pirate because the pirate needs a weapon. <laughs> so eventually, like my parents gave up on that, and suddenly, full pirate sets or action figures became on the table, and eventually, a lot of toy weapons. Did you have any? Have you ever had any obsessions or or? Pro wrestling was the first thing I got in music were the things I got like really, really obsessed with when I was a kid and I still am with both of them. Uh, but it makes a lot of sense because like uh, eight people with ADHD are very in like big, vibrant, like look at me kind of shit. So it's like, of course I like wrestling. What is all it is? It's just so much like big, flashy personalities to it. Big, flashy shit. I, <laughs> they might bleed maybe. <laughs> I will say I do love, I, I do love things that are over the top. Like there's something about it, you know? Yeah. And then like the first bands that I really latched onto as a kid were like very showy, like Kiss and uh, Misfits. Uh, I also, crew. <laughs> I also like it when bands have a more theatrical style just because it's more stimulating. Mm. Like I have, tr I have trouble, I have trouble going to like a, a music event where it's just people standing around on stage playing instruments. That's for some reason that's like, I can't handle that environment for long. So for me, it like helps if there's a laser light show or, or, or some type of theatricality to it. Like most of my experiences, like, I mean, growing up, the only shows I ever went to were like big ones, like. like have to go to a ticket master to get tickets for it and my parents would only let me go see like old 80s bands like i must have seen every 80s metal band that came through columbus when i was a kid like because that's all i could go to because i was such like a very intense kid like it was usually like the happy kind of intense but it's like oh my god i really really want to go to this and my parents would figured that like uh shows like the punk stuff I wanted to go to and like the extreme metal that I that was happening at the in Columbus at the time that I wanted to go see where the shows are all at bars or like venues on seedy sides of town they're like absolutely not you are not going to a bar to see a band called Negative Approach play downtown on a Thursday are you you're 16 are you out of your mind but Poison comes to town. Oh, shit, go see Poison. Motley Crue, yeah, sure. They even let me go see Marilyn Manson, which I was surprised by. Yeah, that one, that one doesn't, that, one of these things is not like the other. 
This is, but I mean, like, I think my parents with him were smart enough to like kind of put together that he's not like this was in 2008 when I was seeing him, so he wasn't like on the way up and everywhere in pop culture, and he he would kind of tone things down a lot. Like he he was still doing, he was still clearly on cocaine when I saw him, but he wasn't like. Wearing uh, lingerie and sweat and just sweating out coke and booze and thrashing around and screaming tirades about that are profound and shallow at the same time. Somehow, <laughs> he was just kind of my parents were like this is probably just him like starting his greatest hits tour era. He's just gonna play the songs he goes everyone likes. <laughs> it'll probably be fine and then like they were correct because he didn't really do anything too outlandish he lit a bible on fire but it was like an afterthought like he just literally just took out a barbecue lighter and just lit it on fire and then threw it it didn't even go off the stage just threw it to the other side of the stage did did it go out shortly after being thrown uh i think some crew guys came and smothered it yes so it's just kind of goofy camp this stage is not rated for this god damn it somebody put that out like if it was 1996 and like antichrist superstar came out or like or even like a glam rock manson where he had like the tits and their genitalia thing uh my parents probably absolutely would not have let me go see it but (laughs) like late 30s Marilyn Manson like I had been doing well in school and I was gonna be going off to college soon seeing all real shit (laughs) on an underground level but yeah so it went from that like big shows where you got a sign seating or a designated area you have to stand in and it's just a bunch of annoying drunk people going woo and talking way too loud about nothing. We went from that to punk rock shows, <laughs> Under, local underground punk rock shows <laughs> that met and in an actual scene where you could tell this that that people actually cared to be there. <laughs> it, so so like yeah, just very different. Uh, hey, look at this type shit. But like yeah, like the punk stuff, like everyone was wearing the spikes and had the weird hair so like the lines are kind of blurred there for theatricality but like after a while going to punk shows like the you start to notice the bands just all do the same thing like if you got an interest instrument in your hand you maybe throw the neck up like and then you maybe you pogo a little bit or if you're just a front man you don't play an instrument you can't you might either go the crazy early punk route and start like just throwing yourself around hitting yourself with things make like just acting like you're having some sort of conniption or they do the yeah chest beating hardcore thing where it's like going to the crowd and be in the pit while i'm singing and grab you now you're singing with me force friendship yeah force camaraderie my uh, my parents' exposure to uh, my parents and my exposure to music um, also uh, very different, but not quite in the same way that our other examples are different. Um, so my parents being hippies meant that 
a couple of different things in terms of music. It meant, first of all, um, no matter what age I was, they were going to be bringing me to shows with them. <laughs> um, so I was always at con. So as a child, I was always at concerts. And it, um, it also meant that uh, we would, a lot of those concerts were the Grateful Dead. Um, so my parents would bring me to Grateful Dead shows, like pretty much all the way up through my, my, uh, my childhood. Apparently, I had been to 25 or so Grateful Dead shows by the time Jerry Garcia died, uh, which is a wild number to me. And like, it, it definitely affected the way I related to and approached music. Like, cause growing up, there was never a moment where like I needed, there was never a moment where I would like step back and be like, oh, I wonder what kind, I think I'd like to go to a cool concert cause concerts would just come to me. <laughs> like I would just be existing and my parents would shovel me into a car. And next thing you know, oh, we're at a concert. That's, that's, there's music happening. Okay. And if, and if, it, if, if, if we were lucky, it would be an outdoor concert, which were my favorite as a kid, because, you know, as a kid with a wild imagination and uh, low attention span, I just like, like to wander around or be able to move. And uh, if I was unlucky, it'd be someplace where I'd have to sit in a chair for like five hours to get through all the Grateful Dead's encores or whatever. And, <laughs> and, uh, I feel like indoor venues don't go as long, uh, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, so like there was a certain point like in my teenage years where like I eventually picked up on the fact that um, this was not everyone's music experience. <laughs> Cause like I'd be hanging out with like friends who were roughly my age and they'd be like, oh man, I'm going to my first concert. And I'd be like, you're like 16. What do you mean you're going to your first concert? Do your parents hate music? What is, what do you mean? Your parents never took you to concerts? How is that a thing? Well, yeah. How, when do you, oh, I mean, my parents would also take me to like, um, actually probably my favorite th music thing my parents would take me to was actually probably the Kent State, uh, folk festival music concerts they used to have over at Kent State and that was just cool because a lot of my friends when I was a kid lived in Kent so we just run around the the, the was it a, was it a bluegrass oh it, it may have been a bluegrass I can't remember it was bluegrass or or folk or you know one of those other hippie mm -hmm. preferred music types uh but yeah no I just run around with friends and go crazy there Plus also Arlo Guthrie was normally there and Arlo Guthrie would always say something about, I told myself I wasn't going to do it, but I guess I'm doing it, but I'm doing it again. Then he'd play Alice's restaurant, which is like this 18 minute long epic. But the thing is, is it tells a story. So little autistic me would want to sit down, would want to hear that. That'd be like the part of the concert I came for. Arlo Guthrie didn't play Alice's restaurant. There'd be a part of me that would be like, <laughs> I guess it was fine, but it wasn't like he played Alice's Restaurant. Yeah. Have you ever heard Alice's Restaurant? Uh, I think so. There was a movie they made out of it, uh, which was also like one of the weird, like 
kind of inappropriate for me to have watched as a child movie that like got through the radar because it's Arlo Guthrie. But like watching it later in life when I'm older, I'm like, oh man, there's tons of sex in this movie. <laughs> One of the movies that my mom had like would put on for us is like that animated uh, Yellow Submarine movie. Oh yeah, I loved that as a kid. Yeah, I would watch that constantly. Mm-hmm. I loved any. I loved almost any movie that was like an adventure, that like ran off like. like so like Yellow Submarine was an adventure because adventures always involve like the same type of thing where like you gather together some heroes and they have to journey from one place to another, and then like there's some type of challenges. So, Yellow Submarine, yeah, no, that was a great one. It's, I mean, like, I think I mainly watched it for the animate visuals of the animations and then the Beatles songs because I could not, like, I have little to no grasp on what the actual plot of that movie was. There's not a lot to it. I mean, it's... Like, I remember there were the Blue Meanies and they were bad. And then I seem to remember there being, like, kind of a fight scene to Hey Bulldog. Hmm. But I don't remember what it was for or why it was significant. So I remember uh Jeremy made me nervous a little bit the first time I watched it. And like I think he just kind of creeped me out a little bit. Wait, which character was Jeremy? That was he was the nowhere man, like the little oh I didn't I missed the little fuzzy brown dude with the clown face. I always just thought of him as nowhere man. He was my favorite as a kid. I don't know what that says about me. Yeah, just rant like the weirdest shit from movies used to like freak me out or annoy me when i was when i was little because my mom also described uh when i was little we would get uh disney videotapes mailed to us That's because you know hard to find ones in english in europe <laughs> and i guess that was the way my mom was going to teach us to how to have how to comprehend english <laughs> ah. because the plan was always to move to either the uk or the states like that's that, that was like their big idea when when they got married and started cranking us out uh so they're, oh, they're gonna be they're gonna, and and you know my mom's from fucking louisiana so she wanted to you know have us be good at speaking english because you know 50 percent of our family's gonna be speaking heavily southern accented english <laughs> but, oh, yeah. So, yeah, the disney but like the she put on, I think it was Lion King, and the scene where Scar kills Mufasa freaked me out when I was a kid. Like she said, like, yeah, I just put it on and I went upstairs, and then next thing I know, you're screaming. <laughs> a lot of a lot of like memories, like there's a lot of things revolving around me screaming or not understanding things when I was little, which like, like I imagine is probably common with kids with ADHD. He's like one of the symptoms is inability to like startle easy, easily and like have very intense shifts in emotion <laughs> triggered by various things. The the kids movie that freaked me out uh, was was always that one part in the never ending story where that horse dies. You ever seen that movie? Yeah, I, mean, I didn't watch it when I was a kid, but I saw it in like high school. And I was like, "What? You guys watch this as kids?" Yeah, no, that 
I, I could handle most of the movie. Like, like I said, my brain was like practically programmed for adventure based content, but like the power of the horse died in the swamp for some reason was always too much for me as a kid. Like sometimes I'd watch the movie and like when that scene would happen, I'd just like, like lay face down on like what, uh, on my, on my like futon bed thing I slept on as a kid and just not look at the movie. I think the sound is mainly what would freak me out about stuff because I seem to remember, like, is a, from what I've heard, like, I would leave the room screaming. I wouldn't just stay there and scream. So if I'm trying to get away from it, the noise is part of it. So maybe just like, I don't know, which is weird because later I, I would like really loud, intense things. It's interesting how that stuff happens. Yeah. When I was a kid, uh, when I was a kid, the other thing that we would do all the time on the uh, on the chemistry professor's computer was that he would have um, he would have programs that just like would do fractals, and as a child, I would just stare at the fractals like all the time, and like who knows what kind of effect that's had on. Although it was recently pointed out to me by someone we both went to school with um, that I apparently like movies that are very visually dense, which I guess is fair. Um, I am a big fan of movies that are practically overstimulating. Like, uh, I love the Wachowskis' uh, Speed Racer, if you've ever seen that movie, which, which is, which that movie is just, that movie is like doing drugs, like because it's just color coming at you really fast for like two hours, <laughs> and I love that movie. Uh, and of course, I also like Zack Snyder movies, which are always like very visually layered movies. Wes Anderson movies also. There's just something about them, like the unique Wes Anderson style. Who, and I will say this until the day I die. The only Fantastic Four movie I really want is a Fantastic Four movie directed by Wes Anderson, directed in the Wes Anderson style. I'm telling you, it would work. Did your parents ever like uh, tell you something about yourself when you were a kid? Like, oh, that's the earliest sign of what I had. Because, like, uh, my first ADHD thing that I remember and my dad confirmed was like pacing. Oh, dude, I paced as a kid all the time too. It would, it would bother people. Like, like initially my grandfather like hated, I used to pace around this house. My grandfather used to hate that. And somehow my parents like got him to calm down about it uh but yeah no i would pace all the time so you also paced all the time yeah yeah because like people have it in their head like the adhd like because of movies is like a suburban white boy who like bounces up and down in his seat and makes silly noises and that's not usually the case <laughs> usually like the hyperactivity manifests and like fidgeting or pacing and apparently like uh, as young as preschool I was just pacing laps around the room back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, not knowing why. 
I just felt compelled to do it. And like, apparently they said something to my parents about it. And uh, they decided the thing to do would be stop rocking back and forth in school and make people nervous. Because <laughs> they thought it was me being undisciplined and not, oh, this is a sign of something. Let's get him screened. <laughs> and like, apparently they said like uh, they wanted to make me re repeat preschool because uh, apparently like during free time, every time I would just go in the corner where all the picture books were and just sit by myself staring at picture books. Oh, I used to stare at picture books all the time. Like they had to make me interact with the other kids. <laughs> like I would not do it. Did you have, were there any specific types of picture books you liked to look at as a kid? Just like ones that had like monsters or dinosaurs or like loud stuff or like just really loud stuff on there i remember i really liked where the wild things are um there was this uh the like uh there was some kind of like folk like european folk tale book that my preschool class had that i remember looking at a lot um don't remember exactly what it was and then there's like God, a good nightmare or something like that. But like, yeah, just any just random shit would cast my interest. But usually it's like monsters or something that I thought was compelling, even if I actually had no idea what was happening in the books. I couldn't fucking read. <laughs> I liked um I liked mostly um picture books that were about fantasy or that or like where's Waldo? Um or like did you ever see what was it? KD or something? like uh they were like educational books and they came in like two forms they had like the ones where you'd go through it on a topic and there'd be like all these things from this time period i used to get the ones about like knights or pirates all the time because they had weapons in them and uh they had these ones where it, was, it would be like the cross section of like a ship or like uh, a castle and you'd go through it for some reason, like I liked things that had lots of details um, to to examine in them. That was that was a big thing when I was when I was looking at them. But I know I just realized I didn't answer your question. Um, actually, yeah. Um, recently, I did a podcast where I talked to my mom. My mom brought up several things that like that like I now know are signs of autism. Like I had um, some delayed development where this, where I would essentially like, it took a really long time for me to talk. But when I did start talking, I would like talk in, in like sentences. And then it took me a long time to like crawl, but then I jumped from crawling to like walking almost like right away. So yeah, they have, told me some of the interesting things about uh that i now know are early signs i'm trying to remember if they, i don't <clears throat> i seem like my parents said every year especially in like elementary school but like it started becoming less frequent though like after once i got to like seventh grade and or whatever and there would be at least two or three times a year where they would get a call from the school about me <laughs> and not necessarily because i was like being like disruptive or destructive or anything like that it would just be i would do something and it would worry the shit out of them. 
and like a lot of them were just like I, I would just like constantly dissociate all the time like just like daydreaming is the term people like to use like I would just like zone out all the time and then I guess one time like it, I was zoning out during like some probably basic phonics lesson or something and the and the instructor like picked me to like say an answer because I'd just been sitting there not doing anything all day probably just wanted to make sure I was probably just paying attention at all and I kind of just it's like I got really like nervous like what were they talking about oh my god I don't know and, and I just started like I just clammed up and got really nervous looking just going like <laughs> like making a weird noise because I didn't know how to process <laughs> And they got concerned about that because it's like apparently it wasn't even something that drastic that they were asking me. It was just like, 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 right, like, right, John, this thing I'm talking about, just make, okay, yeah, you acknowledge me. Now I know you're paying attention. But like, I locked up and just had like a little breakdown over it, apparently. And then when we moved to the States, like, I would just like, I was terrified to talk to anybody. <laughs> so, like, and I was in like fifth grade because that's where the placement test put me. But really, but it, like when, like age wise, I should have been in like sixth grade, maybe seventh, <laughs> because they thought that's just thought that's where I was at. So like, I was always a year or two older than everybody else in my grade. <laughs> but, uh... I I was homeschooled until I went to college, and I have to I have to wonder like how I would have adapted to a public school environment. Like, obviously I would have learned some harsh lessons <laughs> earlier than I did. Um, but like, cause I think I would have, I might have actually done better academically because as I engage with education more, I realize that I do better at it when I have a specific place that I'm doing it at. Um, but Lord knows what type of social issues I would have developed in that environment, like how I would have been treated, how I would have been like responded to that treatment. Um, another thing that is often common, uh, in, uh, in people with autism is, uh, gender nonconformity. Um, I never really thought about the fact that I was gender nonconforming, uh, cause I just thought I looked like all the dudes I knew who were all hippies on a farm <laughs> who had things like ponytails and like blue hair and stuff. So like, as, as a kid, just like, uh, there were a number of points where like people just would not believe me when I told them that I was a boy and it was very, very annoying. And Lord knows how much of that I would have had to deal with if I had gone to a public school. Uh, Lord knows how my, personality would have been curbed by people being dicks i guess is what i'm saying as i got old the older i got the more self-conscious i became and it actually made a lot of things a lot harder for me they were saying something about schools yeah yeah school like i, I just went to public school for well i mean in europe it was all like military uh run schools but like it's still basically the same everybody's either got parents in the military or they are the, or they are the children of civilians that work on the military facilities 
Yeah, I don't know. So when I was little, like there'd be like you know English kids and Norwegian kids and like all that <laughs> Americans and all that. So like I would get bullied by people from all over the world <laughs> in elementary <laughs> school. Um, in middle school, like I don't know, people would always like they pick on me, but they get bored with picking on me very quickly and then would stop because I. Get, like I remember a couple of times where I would get like shoved in the like not inside of lockers just against lockers like I remember a couple like that happening here and there in middle school and like you know people were probably then it was the early 2000s so everybody was using the Epsler like a punctuation mark so I probably guarantee you got called that a bunch of times in high school surprisingly no considering I was dabbling in androgyny listening to bands that everyone thought were like old people music and like even though it's like it is the early to mid 2000s i'm listening to stuff that came out in the 80s it's not <laughs> that far removed <laughs> yeah people's parents always thought i was awesome because i would be wearing like <laughs> band shirts that they recognized you should talk to that kid he's See that shirt he's wearing? That's real. I never really felt, I mean, I was made to do drama club in high school. And, and I mean, eventually I stayed at my own volition, but it, it was literally made to do drama club. Like my parents were like, you fucking do drama club. Okay. We need to find some place in this institution that you fit in. <laughs> And also, like, and also, I was getting to the age where, like, all my like friends and that that would just that I would just like awkwardly do kick push, shitty skateboarding with, and like what and like play video games with. We're starting to like do drugs and actually skate. And my parents were like, "Oh, John will absolutely get married into that." Oh no, um, drama club. There's no stoners in drama club. Oh, but there will be. Oh, absolutely. There were. I was friends with all of them. But like, I didn't really do drugs in high school. I wanted to try them, but it's just like the people I knew that I could get them from, I didn't like usually. So that's the only reason I didn't do any drugs or go to parties in high school. It's just because I didn't like anybody that threw the parties or had connections for the drugs. Hey, you know, I, I relate to that because because I really didn't like the, I really didn't like my connection. My dad. <laughs> no, that's cool. I love my dad, but he was annoying as hell. Uh, yeah, that, that would be a, a freshman year college thing for me, learning about all the awkward kinds of drug dealer there are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, and then even like uh, college is where it really started to manifest, though, I feel like, because like, because that, which is very common for all mental disorders, apparently, because college is like you're by yourself, fully by yourself, and like all of that freedom and all of that pressure to do well are just colliding, and it results in all the stuff that's been kind of a problem. Now it's a major problem. Like, it wasn't even like, 
a little bit later it was almost immediately like as soon as classes started i was fine like noticing i cannot pay attention for shit it, especially in math or geology or whatever like survey course science class they had me doing for LERs. i was like fuck this and i would just like zone out and then when i started going to punk shows I would just start to be thinking about like how fun that punk show was because that was the first time I ever felt like I belonged to something. Like the only t- that was the first time I felt like I really fit in was in the Kent Akron punk scene in 2008, 2000. <laughs> and then like, uh, but you know, punk rock is punk rock. And <laughs> while by no means everybody is a piece of shit, there's a lot of shitheads that are attracted to that kind of scene. And of course that's, part of who I would pal around with just because I wanted all the cool punk rock kids to like me. <laughs> but like that resulted in but you know punk shows rolling once a week and everybody else that would hang with is over 21 so I could go hang out at bars with them. <laughs> so usually I was just hanging out with degenerates the fucking, fucking uh, east way <laughs> Kent State just doing drugs they had no business doing. And like, yeah, just realizing like I can't pay attention. Like my mood swings were all over the place. Like I'm starting to have mood, like pretty intense mood swings that I was noticing. Uh, and I didn't know how to process it. So like I thought like, it, so like I stopped doing drugs for like a month or so, or like six weeks or so. Then I realized, okay, it wasn't this just the drugs. I feel like this all the time now. What the fuck? <laughs> And then some, I forget how, oh, I had like a breakdown at the advising office and they're the ones that like stepped in and said, hey, therapy, now go. I also got into therapy in college. Yeah, because it's the first time you get any real kind of stress and real, and especially once you move off a campus, you got bills now. And you can't just stumble downstairs and use your magic card to obtain sustenance. It's all part purchased with actual money now that you have to earn. (laughs) Dude, sometimes I, dude, sometimes I miss that, that food card life. Yeah, that was pretty sweet. Cause like, I mean, in a way, like I was freshman year when I was doing like the hardest drugs and then like for like a month or two sophomore year i was still kind of doing hard shit a little bit but just not as much like oh man i i remember there was this semester or two where um kent state must have had like some type of deal with the company but like they were pushing the uh this the steez brand energy drink like real hard all over campus uh and like you could get a you could get a four pack for like seventy five cents at one point. So like me and Marsha would just like drink these all the time. <laughs> now it's, it's Steez, so it's like green tea energy drink, but whatever. So it's like it's not like you're down in rock stars and they <laughs> and they don't have a warning label, but like we'd be drinking them on top of rock stars. <laughs> Uh, caffeine consumption like I didn't really get heavy into caffeine consumption until I started drinking all the time so you needed to, to balance out the energy yeah 
like is a like a, yeah like so it was like 21 like living yeah ryan plays you're like yeah 21 22 and just like it's because i had to because i was drinking so much like and i had all these early morning classes because i would forget because thanks to ADHD, i would completely forget to register or go oh, i'll do it later whatever and i'd forget about that because one of the common ADHD things is you have lots of things you have to do, but unless you're directly around them all the time, you'll forget about them immediately. Like my car is a fucking mess right now. And every time I get in, it's like, ah, I need to clean out this car. Okay, well, let's drive home to where all my trash bags and trash receptacles are, and I'll clean out my car. Then I get home and I step out of my car, not a problem anymore because I'm not looking at the trash in my car. No, dude, I do that exact thing. <laughs> That exact thing, exact thing. Actually, it's a huge problem. I, I, I don't, I don't think about things I'm not doing, and I am realizing how difficult that actually makes my life. Um, because there's so many things it as an adult that you need to do that require you to be thinking about them when you're not doing them. And that sucks. Yeah, yeah. I lose um, one of the first ADHD things that, like, because I eventually started thinking that maybe it was when I stopped drinking because I wasn't fucked up all the time anymore. Because when I quit, I didn't have steady uh, weed connections in Oklahoma most of the time. And then when they started doing cards, I looked at the process to get one. I was like, I don't trust this at all. <laughs> stay straight all get it if i buy it illegally <laughs> but, so i would be sober most of the time and i started noticing that like all the stuff that i uh all the problems i had like forgetting a lot of things losing things time blindness um uh, not sleeping at all or sleeping way too much uh not eating at all or eating way too much like like shit like that like <laughs> God damn it! I do all of that shit. Like that, like I'm every sorry. test I've taken has said I didn't have ADHD. What the? Fuck? But, but like, I mean, there is some overlap. But uh, the thing that I noticed was like losing, losing shit. Like I would set something down and then just not find it. Like I don't know how many times I showed up late to raising canes because I it, it, because I could not find my fucking keys. Normally, if I'm late for work, it's because I had to poop. <laughs> Um, with my job being what it is now, oversleeping is a concern. Usually it doesn't happen because my cat starts kicking my ass for food at like 4 or 5 a.m. every day. Oof. Um, so My cat does not do that. You, you're just so lucky. If I, if I like sleep in, she will come like, like paw at me. But that's still like, still like 11 in the morning. Like what a uh, pistol my cat will do is uh, she'll walk into, she'll either walk across my head or smack me on the nose. And if that doesn't wake me up, she, sing, I, I've, I've noticed like little like random scrapes on my scalp sometimes. And then one day, like when she woke me up, she like just kind of lightly dug her claws into my scalp. I was like, motherfucker, you the one doing this to my head? <laughs> God damn, your your cat is 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 way more wild than my cat. I, I mean, she's not doing like uh, she would 
like get well i mean when i had, she was a street rescue and when i adopted her i was peak unmedded adhd and alcoholism so i imagine if she wanted to wake me up for anything she would have to get pretty intense <laughs> so, so it's probably all habits she's had looked over when i was drinking um she's mellowed out a lot lately because she's like nine now uh so she's almost in the senior bracket but uh yeah when she was like like two or three years old she used to like wrestle with my, like just grab onto my arm and start wrestling and i was drunk so i thought it was funny so i would like encourage it oh no and uh, so there was a like a three or four year stretch where she would just start doing that all the time and then especially once i quit drinking it was like oh no this isn't fun at all so i shouldn't do that anymore now she's just like that's how she tells me she wants anything she'll just jump next to me wherever i happen to be sitting or lying down and just touch my nose and i'll go what and if i don't do anything in like 30 seconds she'll whack me in the nose <laughs> and if i don't do anything again that's when she starts digging claws in the scalp so she has a system <laughs> smart cat i get it all right so now um, the thing you mentioned to me is public perception of our um, conditions. Yeah, I feel like that's an important thing to touch on. Uh, ADHD, like, I don't know, when I was, I feel like I never considered it as an option because the only people I knew had ADHD were like punch, walking fucking punchlines in high school, especially. Like, uh, there was this one girl in my math class and, and her name was Katie and she had ADHD like really bad and, but she would be, but her parents like actually took her to get screened and all that. So she knew she had it. So if somebody like made fun of her for forgetting something or get startled by something or being impulsive, uh, he would go, ha ha, you have ADHD. And she goes, I, oh, I have ADHD. That's why I did that. So it just kind of, everyone called her KDHD after that. I see. And just every day, like she was relatively popular or liked among the crowd of popular people at my school, but they were literally just making fun of her to her face most of the time. And I hope that all of them have realized how fucked up that was. <laughs> It's hard to tell. It's hard to tell in today's day and age where civility is now considered weakness. Yeah, uh, but uh, the the stereotypical ADHD thing with like, you know, a little upper, like suburban white kid who can't sit still and does silly stuff or like quirky and funny seems to be the first thing people think of when they think of ADHD and like yeah there are a lot of people that have ADHD do use humor to as a coping mechanism or self-defense tactic to an extent I've, I've done it because <laughs> uh but like yeah just I've, I've seen like when I got diagnosed I started looking on YouTube for like stuff for like surely i'm not the only one <laughs> and all the stuff was all like i found one channel that was really good it was called how to adhd where it was just like they're really short videos they didn't go they 
she learned a lot of stuff but since the person giving them also has adhd she is cognizant of the fact that like we're gonna get bored really quickly <laughs> so so she keeps them engaging and like i liked it, her stuff a lot but then there was other shit where like it was just some like waka waka like i'm a zany fella i got diagnosed with adhd when i was 26 and let me tell you it's my superpower i hate like i understand using that word with like children who are diagnosed with it to like help them like cope with it like and, and like uh but but I got, I would get really frustrated with that because like when you take meds for ADHD, it doesn't magically make you not have ADHD anymore. It just makes you more cognizant of when you forget shit or screw up or something like that. And it still happens constantly. Like I'll be mid fucking action at work and just completely have no idea what the fuck I'm doing. Oof. Like, I, like what am I doing again? How many fucking bags of fluids am I supposed to spike like it'll explain to me how to know how many by looking at the schedule and I'll just forget half of it and a lot of this is probably because I've been awake for an hour and now I have to do important veterinary medicine things yeah I don't function super well for like the first hour hour and a half yeah but and I've told them that but they're like well if you want to like do more stuff where you're not like where, where you're actually using what you went to school for you have to do surgeries and that's just how it is you have to be a real earliest fuck so like i already figure i'm probably not gonna progress much beyond where i'm at now <laughs> because of that um but yeah yeah and and just like i've and a lot of a surprising amount actually because at my old job it was just me and one other person who had adhd and it was a person whose like parents got her screened so she knew she had it and spent her entire life learning different ways of uh of lessening the symptoms and becoming better at organization and all that like i was just fucking winging it the whole time because i didn't know anything was wrong with me i thought i was just stupid <laughs> Which is why why a lot of people with ADHD are depressed and have anxiety. It's because you know you get the impulsivity, especially when you're really young. You say a bunch of really stupid shit impulsively, and people like hold that against you forever. Uh, which is not quirky and fun. It's not. <laughs> I don't like. Uh, uh, I, I sometimes get the I get the it's distinct feeling that people who have been labeled as eccentric throughout history probably just had autism or ADHD. Yeah, yeah, like guaranteed. Like a lot, of, and it kind of makes sense when I think about it, that a lot of that, uh, I wouldn't ever be the only person with ADHD in veterinary medicine because animals is, are, is a, like, are, has been proven to be a good thing for people with ADHD. Oh, well, that's nice. Like pet ownership and like being around animals and stuff. Because um, if you have a pet, like it gives you something to focus on, you have to take care of it. And so like you kind of, so you have to make a schedule for your pet. And that means you have to alter your own schedule with the schedule for your pet. So that makes you more mindful of what your schedule either is or should be. Like, uh, 
pistol kind of helped with that, but really all I had to do with her is just make sure to remember to give her food and water and clean out her litter box every now and then. Like that, so, like not because you don't have to take a cat outside to, to relieve themselves, and you don't have to exercise a cat to keep them from destroying your things or having some kind of boredom-induced mental breakdown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like when I adopted my dog, like that really kind of helped because like I have to wake up. I have to take her out two or three times a day. Like usually, like sometimes she can hold it pretty well, but still it's not good to do that. And then dogs have to go to the vet a lot more often than cats do. (laughs) Since dogs have to go outside, unfortunate circumstances can arise because of things they get too excited about, or maybe they, they rub another dog the wrong way. and You have to cart them off to the ER. That happened to me once. I mean, a lot of that was just because of Tulsa's rampant loose dog problem. But still, like if Liv hadn't had uh, started like tensing up and barking at the other dog, he probably would have just kept walking. <laughs> and like you have to like you know, train animals and stuff. And like uh, people with ADHD also have trouble maintaining any kind of relationship because they forget shit so much and they get or they get hyper focused on one thing. I also struggle to maintain relationships. Yeah, it's because you know, from a romantic relationship standpoint, I forget shit all the time. So I'm gonna forget, like unless I am to- have the wherewithal to write to put it in my phone or try to think of some kind of mental device to remember it. Like I'm not, go- I'm gonna forget a birthday. I'm gonna, for- I'm gonna like have time blindness and whoops it's christmas eve that's gonna happen and the women don't like that i think a lot a lot of the things that that some people think are fun or important seem stupid to me uh same same <laughs> um, like i understand like take like valentine's day seems stupid to me uh um anniversaries that aren't yearly anniversaries are stupid to me yeah no i i I guess i'd be on board with that one yeah yeah because this one chick i dated like we weren't together that long it was like four months but she wanted to like do like a every four months we do something like she remembered some weird thing and i think she thought she was being cute by remembering it or something and i was like fuck and then she got mad at me because I didn't have anything prepared. Well, like, that's, that is one quarter of, of, of an anniversary. Yeah. I don't even that's, remember what it was. I think she just like, oh, it's been how it leaves. I'm her first date was this many weeks ago. Doesn't the Anna in the beginning of anniversary mean annual? Am yeah, I, yeah. Am I out of my that's, mind with that's that? Where, that's where it comes from. So, so like, so like she, that girl had you over here trying to do a quarterversary. I mean, we were both just like drunk idiots. So like that, was, she probably just like, or she maybe she saw it on Instagram or something. It's like, oh, I see that with, with, with how Kato. recently did you have this relationship? This was like I was like 26, 27. Okay, maybe. like it was okay, just it makes some, more. Sense. It was just someone I met at a met at a show or a bar, and we just kind of had sex with each other and hung out for a little bit 
and I don't know. I think I probably would have been fine with an actual relationship, but then she just kind of sprung that on me. I don't know what was happening there, but there was no communication going on there, apparently. <laughs> and and another symptom of ADHD is being defensive and it like it's it, it just comes with the turf. It's because like you fuck up a lot. So like people keep like like people get on you about it and you feel the need to defend yourself. <laughs> And the very and there are varying degrees of intensity that you have to look out for. But like, oh man, I, I would. But, but yes, I'm just going. No, that's not a thing. I'm not like. Why are you mad at me for not doing that? If you wanted me to do something, you should have said something. Like, ah. um, it's not even. It's not even a six month anniversary. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not even a happy. And then like, uh, and then. I don't know if this is an ADHD, like uh, imposter syndrome is a big ADHD thing. Like something good will happen and you don't think you deserve it or you'll be in a, any kind of scenario and you'll just think like, I'm the biggest idiot here. I don't got any business being here. That was most of vet tech school for me. <laughs> Never mind. I got, I went through the same application process as everybody else and got approved <laughs> by the same faculty that everyone else did it was taking the same classes i thought i was the biggest fucking dunce in the entire program and i thought ever and like and, and I, like i i didn't really talk to anybody except people who sat near me for things or people i had to work with in groups a thing i really struggle with is that i'm not good at me i'm apparently not good at making first impressions i don't even necessarily mean that i make bad first impressions what i mean is that like i just have this thing that keeps happening where people will tell me their first impressions of me and and how wrong they were <laughs> like it's very it's very interesting the, the word the most unsettling one being is that i've had over the course of my life um a small number of close friends be like yeah no i used to think that you hated me and like that it happens a lot and it's like i don't really hate many people at all i'm i'm pretty pretty mellow guy but apparently like my inability to be like i don't know like what the word is like uh to i i, I must not communicate the right signals I, I i don't know what it is uh I don't know about like his because of the military parenting like I've like uh, I just kind of dictated by situation like I think I make decent first impressions of job interviews just because I make sure to bathe and wear nicer clothes the bar is so low the and, bar is so low. And, and then like just I don't want to be there so I'm like all like like all tense so like I'm hyper aware of everything I'm saying so like I never like be like yeah dude fucking like this shit happened and now i'm like what the fuck like i, I always make like i use all my big boy filling out my term paper college words and interviews like i think the only job interview that i just did not try at all was the one where that i had with raising canes when i moved back in tulsa 
Like I'd been in Oklahoma for like five months at that point and I was in the wrestling business, but I could not find a fucking job. And like just <clears throat> and, and then like when the rate I, I thought I was just gonna have to like cut my losses and come back to Ohio, but then like Raising Canes called me in for an interview. I showed up just in a punk shirt. I don't think I bathed. Like, I like just showed up and was just like, I was like, dude, I just need a job. Like, as you can see, I have a degree and all that. I just, I need a job, dude. Cause I don't know what the fuck to do. I just graduated from college. I moved out here to start for a fresh start. And I, I don't know, man. Just, if you want to hire me, cool. Nah, whatever. And he's like, okay, yeah, cool. Welcome aboard because it's a fucking fast food job. Of course, they didn't give a shit. <laughs> it's like, oh, you can form a complete sentence and your age doesn't end in teens. So you're hired. <laughs> <laughs> welcome aboard <laughs> and i remember being blown away that i got hired because i did not try like at all even like shit like to my interview to at uh that at laundry 101 back in the day like i seriously was getting drunk at the bar and mentioned in passing to the bartender who happened to also be the manager <laughs> That I needed a job and she thought I was funny. So she let she's like, wanna work here? I was like, okay. <laughs> and then the next day, she's like, okay, hey, you wanna what are you doing right now? Nothing. <laughs> Why don't you come down for an interview? Okay. So I put down the joint and I put on a collared shirt and walked down the hill to my interview. <laughs> And I got hired, so, like, I don't know what kind of impression I make on people. Like, I guess, like, the military kid instincts kick in strong enough in situations that require it. But, like, I, I don't know. But, like, most of the time, like, I, I, I don't know, first impressions, it's, like, especially, I think when I was, like, dressing more outwardly, like, hardcore street punk type shit, like, you, you remember when I was in the Arts, burying the arts and crafts of my hair. Yes, I remember it, the mohawk. It, uh, yeah, then I, I had quills for a minute. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, like I was all about it. it. It looked like shit half the time, but I didn't care. And like that was my thing. I was very that. Like I, it was very important to me that everyone knew how fucking hardcore I was at any given opportunity. And I was very uh, not combative, but I did not care if anyone in the class liked me or not. <laughs> Even the teachers in some cases, like I think a lot, like I think part of the thing was since I was an English major, a lot of the classes I was taking were still by and large party to, an, to a degree. So like all the hippies, old hippies I was taking literature classes with were just like, ah, oh, punk guy, let's learn things, neat. I got one in my class. How about that? <laughs> so they would kind of just let me do whatever. Sounds about right. <laughs> now, I, oh, man. A thing you, thing you mentioned there that maybe, like, my voice is, is, is an odd one. A lot of people tell me that they are confused by, like, what my dialect is. Um, and I'm also, I'm definitely a vocal sponge. Like I'll automatically, like I'll unconsciously start imitating other people's speech patterns or like accents, which 
can get you into trouble if you're selling insurance on the phone. Uh, it, it was normally with some Southern person who I, who I would sponge up the accent from, and that wasn't a big deal because Southern people like it when you're Southern. And also, like, it's not that hard to, if, you, if you're still Southern on the next call, it's not that big a deal. Just be like, yeah, my mother's from Mississippi. She's not really from Mississippi, but she did live there for a while. <laughs> I also, I struggle with uh, volume control. Um, like, I'll just be loud for no reason and not be aware of it. I used to have a problem with that. I still kind of do. Like, if I get really excited, I will talk a little louder. But like, but I was drinking heavy, especially. Holy fuck, I would get notes about that all the time. Well, I mean, that's, <laughs> I feel like that's also just a drunk thing, too. Uh, but it was, the, it was the first thing that the guy who diagnosed me with autism wrote down. <laughs> Well, almost the first thing. Basically, he wrote a description of how I presented, like when I came in, and like one of the first things in there was loud. Like, I, like when I got diagnosed, like uh, I had the practice I went to in Tulsa, which is actually very extensive practice until they sold themselves to a statewide conglomerate, and now all of their clerical shit is done in Oklahoma City, and they have no idea who anyone is, and it takes them weeks to get back to you. Uh, <laughs> But like at the time, like when I got diagnosed, like the guy did it, like uh, I had to go to a just regular talk therapy with just a counselor, not a, not a psychiatrist, a counselor. And then they would report their findings to the doctor and then the doctor would have a sit down with you for anywhere between 20 minutes and an hour and then try to take it, tell you what he thinks is wrong with you. Uh, <laughs> I also went to the uh, Tulsa Community College guy who also who sent along stuff that also said like this guy clearly has ADHD and does not know it and it is really bothering him. <laughs> it is no, it, like uh, apparently one of them said based on stories he has told me of <laughs> of his of his past issues with substance abuse it is astounding that he is still alive and not in jail or dead. <laughs> That's that's an amazing note. Yeah. But, 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 yeah, so like he got all those notes and then he said, like, I was talking for, for maybe 15 minutes. Like, okay, you have ADHD. <laughs> right off the bat. Yeah, you, yeah you was, tell. and I was like, well, what? Well, how do you know? Maybe, maybe it's just because my brain is screwed up for, forever from all the substance abuse. Like, that's not how that works. <laughs> yeah, you hear that, people? That's not how that works. Stop it, judging. Yeah, and he like asked me like how long has it been since you kind of drink again and at the time it was like two two years or three years or something so i told him that he's like okay so your brain is by and large repairing itself and it a lot of that is also contingent on how long you drank excessively and it seems like while it wasn't nothing you did stomp it out pretty easily most people who have brain damage from drinking too much have been going for decades <laughs> You just had a really long eight or nine years. <laughs> Is it like, yeah, you've you've like fidget, you fidget a lot. You have changed the position you're sitting in ten times already. And you've forgotten what you were talking about. And he's just like, here's what's happening. You have ADHD. You've had it probably your entire life, from what you have told me, and I have read in these reports. <laughs> and so you, so you forget things or don't do great in school school sometimes because the things aren't holding your interest and you don't didn't know you had it so you haven't had somebody coaching you on how to like better 
retain things at school and you haven't been prescribed any medication so you just think you're stupid and that's where the self-loathing and the so the self-loathing and the depression and the anxiety comes from because you think you're just a raving idiot and that everyone hates you <laughs> so here's a prescription for some <laughs> antidepressants and some adderall come back in a month <laughs> that's it and just the way that he said it was just like this could have been said to you years ago but it has not for whatever reason here you go because even like all the talk therapy i went through at kent state like that that's free to students and you can go every week and whatnot they had me talk to actual doctors about that thing a couple of times because of like and not a one of them mentioned adhd the first um in college, I was diagnosed as dystymic, um, which is called something different now. Um, I did actually get tested for autism in college, but um, there was a lot of information I didn't have or knew that I should have told them at the time. Uh, that is uh, really like I didn't like I in college I didn't know. I didn't know about the delayed development. I didn't know that I freaked out in the light and stuff as a kid. Uh, I didn't. Uh, I didn't know about any of that stuff. But uh, now I do. I also understand what masking is now, um, which is a thing. I don't think I ever masked as much as maybe other people because I was always an individual and like a, a lot of times in in life I would. There were a lot of situations where it'd just be like, I wouldn't know how to mask something. So my brain would just go, don't. But I realized now as an adult, I was like, oh, I was still masking a shit ton of things. Um, and masking is essentially when you like are hiding things or like choosing your behavior in order to most appear like normal. Yeah, I've done that a lot too, though. Yeah. I also been stimming my whole life, not realized it. Um, side note, I need to talk to my psychiatrist because I feel like I stim more now that I'm on Wellbutrin. I feel like I've been stimming way more now, <laughs> which, yeah. Side note, Wellbutrin is both, they say is, is good for ADHD. I, I should probably start thinking about going out again too because my work schedule is getting really fucked up and i and because of that adderall shortage i haven't been using any kind of like been treating the inattentive part of the adhd uh, i mean honestly i feel like the antidepressants are the most important thing for me because oh man when i moved out here and i was trying to get a doctor get my script going again up here like i had i i, I had went up without it for like a couple weeks and just immediately my old self came back and I was like hold but now but since I've been taking taking medication and like was cognizant of things I was like oh my god this is terrible (laughs) I looked like this drunk for how long my years of marijuana use don't like give me that many like ridiculous Oh my God, moments. But one of them was when I got my glasses. Like, honestly, I just thought that smoking weed made things a little blurry. And like, 
Yeah. <laughs> when I finally got glasses, it was like, oh, shit. I've needed glasses for maybe, I don't know, eight or nine years. <laughs> See, my vision went to shit really quickly when I was a kid. Like, I think first, second grade was when I started, like, complaining about not being able to read stuff. Now I know that I should have put two and two together when I was about 18 or 19. Because I look back on it now, and well, actually maybe more like closer to 20. Um, I look back at it now and I realize that my N64, I was having trouble seeing my N64 games as well. And at first I just thought it was because newer games graphics were so much better that now older games look like crap. But now, but now I'm like, oh shit, no. That was my eyesight starting to just like be slightly off. <laughs> and my eyesight went bad pretty slowly, actually. Yeah, I think, uh, but uh, like not like not being able to see good, like that makes kids act out and not pay attention because they get frustrated because they can't, they don't understand what's going on. They can't follow mm -hmm. along. And so my parents got me screened for needing glasses first because my mom needed, but like had a really strong prescription. Like she was blind as shit too. So I got it from her. But once they took me to the eye doctor, got me some glasses, like I started paying attention a little better and improved in enough subjects that they thought, okay, well, that was the problem. But they were still getting reports about me like zoning out class or just blatantly not doing the work I was supposed to be doing. Uh, I was I was also a big daydreamer. Um, I'm not sure if it was really disassociating, um, although I, I do disassociate. Um, but a thing my parents always remind me of is that a parent, like I would just, I would just sit and imagine as a kid. And like one of my parents' favorite quotes of me as a child is, "Don't bother me, I'm imagining." It's like they try and talk to me when I wasn't talking, and I <laughs> leave me alone. I'm imagining. Like, I don't know. I, I daydreamed a lot too. It was, I mean, it was at least in part association, like you know adhd thing and then also my dad was in, like when i was way younger my dad was getting deployed to like combat zones and stuff and like that fucks with your head when you're a kid and so i was probably like just zoning out to not deal with it mm -hmm. um i think like eventually i started getting sad like i think like the, the first time i remember being depressed was like i was like i was having extreme reactions to like very minimal things as early as like six years old but my parents did, and i was the only kid doing it my brother and sister didn't do that i was also an incredibly sensitive child i was very impulsive too like i was the kind of like my adhd manifests in i just kind of zone out or like just lock up and just don't say anything and that's actually more common than the never shuts the fuck up type ADHD mm -hmm. person. But that's not a silly, funny bit character for a sitcom or a person who becomes a walking punchline in high school. <laughs> I honestly, like, it's still so new for me. I'm not sure, like, how me being openly autistic might affect people's view of me or not. Um, so I, there is a part of me that's still wondering, like, like what do people think of me now? Okay. And I honestly don't know. I mean, like some people like seem to somebody posted when I when I made my Facebook post, someone posted that they already knew. 
so like that, that was a common response with people with, with, from people when I told them about the ADHD diagnosis too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Twice in my life, I've uh, an autistic person has come up to me and just automatically assumed I was also autistic. So that that those were some of the early signs for me that I should get tested. See, I don't. Nobody ever said that I had like thought I had ADHD when I was growing up because I didn't. I wasn't the babbling bouncing up and down in their seat type of adhd i was the sit still and zone out and then snap back to reality and then just start doing something else and then like you know pacing a lot and stuff like that like you know people don't people just think you're a weird guy if you do that so i was the weird guy in high school which may have been why i didn't get my ass kicked i think it's i mean i did have a couple of uh jocks that like thought i was funny and I think that went a long way. Even though it was never really, even though it was most of the time not really pushed in my face because I was homeschooled, um, there was always this awareness that I was very different than um, than other people and other kids. Yeah, I, I mean, I had a bunch, like, it, that's the thing about public school is, like, I, I was like that, too. Like, I don't, I don't fucking like any people that had it. But, like, uh I was cognizant of that very quickly because people in public school are jerks. <laughs> like when, I, when I would like watch movies or shows or things, I would often find myself like relating most to like the most oddball characters on the show. Yeah, me too. Like, uh, like, like growing up, a lot of people told me I looked like Hyde from that '70s show. Um, which I kind of do, which is unfortunate now, but, um, but like, in all honesty, like when I would watch this show, the character I would relate to most would be Fez, um, because he was just like the eccentric, like guy who like, he wasn't completely gender conforming, but was still like very, very heterosexual (laughs) and like, he, he would just be odd. Um, and everyone would look at him like he was weird. And that was, I don't know, that was relatable to me. Um, I remember when I watched that show, uh, I remember, I, I liked Hyde a lot. Like I thought Hyde was Hyde cool. was probably my favorite character. But I also liked Kelso. Kelso was the funniest, but I was always laughing at Kelso, not with him. Yeah, like I, when, when I watched Kelso, I was like, I want a friend like that. <laughs> <laughs> like when I was, a kid. Uh, but being friends, but like at people the time, t- I was in like what fifth grade. <laughs> people don't tell you how exhausting having really funny dumbass friends is, though. Yeah, <laughs> like, like once you actually have a couple, you're like, oh, this is this is gonna take a lot of energy, huh? <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm trying to think what other characters I. Clung on to when I was a kid that were weird. Uh, I rarely ever latched on to the main character. No, I usually hated the main character in most of the shows I watched, unless they were funny. Then maybe I'd let give them a pass. But just on top of my head, uh, I liked Pokemon as like a concept, but I hated Ash Ketchum. I didn't. I didn't hate <laughs> Ash, but I never like felt like I was Ash in any way. Like I just I think his voice annoyed me, and I didn't like how 
which is funny because I probably react to things in extreme ways like he always did too. <laughs> I thought that that was really annoying. Yeah, that's a good them. point. A good but point. his were rooted in narcissism usually. And I like I, I just thought that that trait was really annoying even back then. Let's I mean, I guess you got to you got to you got to believe in yourself if you're going to be a Pokemon master, man. Cuz yeah. like you, yeah. you're a you're a child who's going off to live in the woods for the next few years yeah. trying to win at a animal fighting sport in a godless waste. <laughs> Actually not wasteland, like forest area. Like I've had people and like uh counselors and stuff bring up my lifelong affinity for pro wrestling. Uh, and they're like oh well what wrestlers did you like when you were a kid i was like i was such a little fucking spaz like back then my favorites would change by the week dude like i i would like i don't think i was cognizant of any storylines back then i just knew who the characters were <laughs> and now they're gonna do a wrestle now oh wow oh, hey, don't do that to him i like him that's you're bad boo <laughs> like but I remember, I mean, of course, I like The Rock and Stone Cold because everybody liked them. Uh, but I remember liking Owen Hart a lot. And that's how I found out what death was, by the way. Oh, when Owen Hart time? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was in, what, I think, second grade at the time. That's how I learned what death was. And like that fucked me up. I, I think I was just like just non-responsive all day at school. It was just like no more. Oh, he's gone forever. And then like it's slowly over the course of the days. Like that means that means his, all his friends and family are really sad. And like other people who like watching him on TV are sad too because now he's not on TV because he's dead now. And like I was just having a little like, am I gonna die? <laughs> just having a little existential crisis in second grade while everybody else is learning long division or whatever i i would i would tell my story of how i discovered death but honestly it's the most it's it's incredibly (laughs) traumatic uh and i don't want to bring down the mood but uh yeah no that's heavy i I thought about death a lot as a kid, like all, like, like all the time, like at a certain point, like it didn't really like, I remember playing with other kids and like, we would be playing pretend. And like, at one point, like I'd be sort of, even as a kid, I would like guide like the story and like part of the story I'd make like, one of the, like one of our imaginary teammates gets like gets like sick or like s- trapped and like we have to go on without him and and like the and like the other kids are like what why do we have to go on without him can't we do anything and i'm like no there's nothing we can do <laughs> and like it it bothered the other kids, but in my mind, it's like, no, this is an adventure. Somebody always dies on an adventure. It can't be an adventure if everyone makes it back. Uh, oh, man. Like, see, I don't remember, like, what... I remember I had... My parents got me wrestling toys, like, once. Exactly one Christmas. Uh, because I... And uh, I got really into it. Like, I don't know. I remember my mom telling me, like, you didn't put those things down for, like, a year after that and then she said like the reason they stopped buying me more was because like i would do commentary and like 
make up all these like emotional angles to the matches and my mom was alarmed by how not that bad an impression of Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler I was doing (laughs) and also how intense things got like I guess I took one of my action figures and he got bus he got color in the match and I took a red washable marker and just scribbled on his forehead and and like and then after the match I asked if there was (laughs) how to clean it off and she had to go find rub it like some (laughs) alcohol to wash the fake blood off of my wrestling action figure and she's like this kid is eight years old <laughs> like this. and she never bought me any more wrestling shit after that Christmas <laughs> which is probably why now like half of my wardrobe is wrestling t-shirts because I never got to have them when I was growing up and then when I had a job I didn't have a credit card so I couldn't buy them online <laughs> And then and I got fucking bre- wrestling action figures hanging on my wall. I like just I bought two just because just because I like it was like this is it, this is it. This is the only ones I'm gonna get now. Now I have entire walls of wrestling action figures. So like <laughs> that's a, not getting any more like just I guess just the intensity of the way I would play with the ones that I had like just never really left my brain. And even though I don't open them. I keep them on card and just hang them on my wall because I think they look cool. <laughs> I hear you. My my biggest obsession is probably Batman. And like my full-blown, interesting enough, my full-blown Batman obsession started with action figures. Um, not even my own. I was like playing with someone else's Batman action figures at like their house. And like after, and for some reason after that, I was like, I couldn't stop thinking about Batman. Um, And I'd already known about Batman. I already had some Batman comics. I watched the 1960s Batman uh, show. Um, But like after that, I like started just getting really into more and more Batman. So I guess Batman is my main obsession. Oh, did you see? There's a wrestling RPG on the uh, on the Switch eShop. No, it's called WrestleQuest. Huh. It's not based on a specific on real wrestlers, but I don't know. I saw it. And I was like, I wonder if that'd be something. Yeah, yeah. that, that seems sense with this goddamn episode. Yeah, yeah that seems like something I'd be interested in. <laughs> uh, yeah. Trying to think, just more random ADHD shit. Um, I mean, we can always can always do a part two. Yeah, we might as well do a part two before we both forget what we're doing. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. So really, this has been a lot of tangents. Well, I mean, that's kind. Of, I mean, like, come on, it's it's two it's two guys sitting down to talk about their ADHD and autism. Of course, it's going to be a lot of tangents. Yeah. Right? It's, <laughs> like that's that's a whole that's. What the term is herding cats and there's no one to herd the cats <laughs> so we're just wandering all over the place yeah. and i can make these jokes because i'm autistic you can't make these jokes audience uh i i actually i came out as autistic at a, at a stand-up show uh last night and actually i'm sitting here thinking you know what i need to start taking stand-up more seriously 
and being more prepared because like it went okay but like the last few stand-ups i've done have just been like not as tight as i wanted to be but uh but yeah no i uh so i came out as autistic and got to make say some autistic things like the fact that sarcasm is kind of ableist you know and <laughs> it also explains why i hate having things in my pockets feels weird i don't know where i was going with this <laughs> uh but yeah so i guess we should try and wrap it up here yeah yeah i think we I think we've done a thorough enough job for this one <laughs> yeah i know We'll have to maybe we can come back together another time and see if we've remembered anything else. Okay, yeah. But uh, so let's I'm trying to think of some type of concluding statement on it. Um, so one time when I was tripping balls, actually, like the second time, well, unless you count that time I tripped balls from edibles, uh, the second or third time I was tripping balls uh i i had suddenly had this realization about myself and that realization was i was always going to do this type of shit yeah me too <laughs> and so like now it's kind of like i was always going to realize i was autistic although i will say I am, I am probably the best at subtext of, I claim subtext king of the autistic people. I, I feel like I am good at symbols. <laughs> I don't know why I had to make that claim just now. Uh, but anyways, uh, yeah, no. So now I'm, I'm honestly, I'm still processing it. Because um, like, ultimately, like, this is the way I've always been. And oh, and here's an important thing. I also am proof that uh, vaccines don't cause autism. So I was raised by hippies who were vaguely afraid of the medical establishment. And all the vaccines I've been given were as a dog. <laughs> so take that. <laughs> I had it without, without the intervention of vaccine. <laughs> all right. Nagato, anything you'd like to wrap up with? Uh, if you have ADHD, don't let yourself be a joke. That's all I could think about. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. We all need to be self-advocates for ourselves and uh, set, set the record straight to people on certain things. Because sometimes even people who are well-meaning are gonna say some incredibly stupid shit. Stupid, dismissive, colder than they mean it to be shit. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, by the way, guys, uh, just because I'm autistic doesn't mean I don't have feelings. It just means I'm bad at reading feelings. There's a very big difference. You can hurt my feelings, is what, is what I'm saying. Uh, I actually, I heard this story recently from, uh, from someone I know who, uh, who, who also works in, uh, with disabilities and, um, they were, t they were at like some type of like training thing where they were, people were talking to them about how to interact 
with people uh, with uh, with like um, sensory, specifically sensory dis uh, like issues. And like one of the things they said was to talk slowly. And it's like, what? What? What do you mean talk slowly? That's not, no, hit, hit what you do. It, hit, here's all you need to know. Don't yell at us and ask before you touch us. And that's it. That's all you needed to know. <laughs> what is this talk slowly? That's incredibly fucked up thing to say. I've never, oh, even, even when I'm working with people who have legit cognitive disabilities, I did not talk to them slowly. Jesus Christ. Some people, man. Like I didn't speed read at them either, but like the point is you talk, talk to people with disabilities like, like, with, like they're human beings. God, shouldn't have to spell that one out. All right, again. Okay. All right, well, thank you for listening. Uh, I hope if, if anyone out here who's listening uh, was listening to this and thought to themselves, hey, a lot of those things sound super relatable. Maybe, you know, go get yourself uh, checked out. Uh, maybe you're like, uh, like one of us, or maybe you're not. But, you know, it can't hurt to get it checked out. And uh, so if, you're, if, if you enjoyed this experience, please like and subscribe or do whatever positive feedback thing wherever you're getting your podcast from is allows you to do. And uh, please check out the YouTube channel. Or if, you're what, or if you're listening to this on YouTube, check out the Spotify. And uh, you can email the show at rubenuncut at gmail.com. All right. Uh, thank you for listening. All right. Say, say goodbye, guys. Bye, everybody. Have a wonderful whatever.